G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. I always had the view, which I, I still have, is that whatever you do in life, you know, if you follow Christ, if you know Jesus as Savior, and you know it's all true, you know, you're not just following a man-made religion. You've you've had your heart illumined, and you've discovered the truth of the Word of God. That you have to be open to the leading of God and to wherever He wants to take you. And so I've always had the view that you know, especially with paid uh, pastoral ministry, if the call came, I would always take time to pray about it and seek His will. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. What do you do when you're surrounded by the discouraging stories that often come up in the daily news cycle? For Darren Burnett, the answer was obvious. He decided to use his experiences as a reference point so he could understand others as he took on a new role as a pastor. Today, Darren shares about the difficulties he faced as a Christian journalist, and he'll also share about the joy he's found in ministering to others. He's having a chat with Shelley Scowen. Darren, you grew up in the church. Did you ever dream of one day being the pastor of the church? I, I certainly, um, from about the age of about, I think about the age of about five or six, started to, you know, even, even as a child, you know, love Bible teaching and don't recall very well learning the uh, shorter catechism. And so I've always loved theology, loved doctrine, and loved the Word of God. Um, but after high school, no, I, I, I certainly kind of... Um, wasn't at that point ready to go into, uh, into, into ministry, but I have always had an absolute uh, unquenchable thirst to know the Word of God. And uh, even when I was a, a young journalist, I'd, I'd always be listening to uh, sermons and, and Bible talks in my car all the time. Yeah, and it's great for any of us, I think, really, to be equipping ourselves spiritually with as much knowledge as we can to be able to defend our faith and, and know what we believe. Yeah, absolutely. I, I guess I wonder how many teenagers are leaving school these days and going, you know what, I'm going to be a pastor. <laughs> I think it's one of those things that God just prepares you for gradually. I absolutely agree. And in fact, I, mean, I know uh, everyone has their own path, but I do like the idea of going into um, pastoral ministry a little bit later in life. I think... Uh, it is good to go out there and get a few of the, the knocks of life and uh, to understand how to try to make it as an employee and uh, to study at a secular university and just really be engaged with the culture and the workforce so that when you kind of come to um, to actually kind of um, being involved in people's lives and, and counselling them in, in, a, in a spiritual context, so you have more of a, of a reference for what they're going through. So, yeah, I certainly kind of appreciated my 20-odd my years in the uh, secular workforce. Yeah, and I think we can learn so much as well as be a real impact in a secular workplace yeah, as well. Definitely, absolutely. How were you saved? I was saved. Uh, I, I came to uh, understand the Word of God at a young age, but I really made a, a profession uh, of faith, and I had a very, very uh, memorable um, salvation experience at the age of fifteen when I just decided I had to um, I had to confess my sins personally and, and ask ask Christ to to be my Lord and Savior and. And that was a, a moment, you know, that, that was incredibly memorable. And um, I've never forgotten that. And since that time, um, you don't always feel the hand of God in your life every day. But when you look back, when you look back, it's like looking at, you know, footprints on, on a beach and you can see the guiding hand throughout your life, even through the, uh, you know, the young adult years, the teenage years, how God keeps you in his hand and keeps you safe when, when, he, when, you, when you are his child. 
and uh, I've just seen see the amazing grace of God, you know, bringing me through those kind of turbulent late teenage years uh, with great grace and and, uh, and real care. So yeah, that was about fifteen, I think. I think it's really wonderful to hear testimonies like that, and I've got a similar kind of story as well. Uh, I guess we hear a lot of stories on this program and elsewhere of people that um, have done all these, you know, horrible crimes yeah. and they've done um, time in jail and they've been addicted to drugs and all the rest and God saved them from that. And that's wonderful stories. Sure. But I think for the likes of yourself and me, it, it's wonderful to not have even had to have gone down that track. It's like God has saved us from yeah. all of that. Absolutely. And, you know, and uh, I, I couldn't agree. And I know um, a dear elder at church even said, you know, it's wonderful that some of us, you know, haven't had to go through the, the whole, you know, all the um, the stuff of the world before God has called us to Himself, and you know, and those who have often have a great appreciation of what they've been saved from. But I think you know, being saved um, even at a young age is incredibly precious, and um, you know, I don't think we should ever feel pressure to have a, a really colourful uh, testimony. Mm. Um, in fact, I, I often look back now and see how you know God guided me greatly and kept me from danger. I recall very well in high school, going to a new high school, and this one really cool guy being very friendly. And I thought, oh, this guy must, must want to be school captain. He's so friendly, and I kind of didn't like it, so I kind of shied away. Well, I found out years later he was a school drug dealer and was oh. trying to hit me up as a client. And there was I just so naive and sheltered. But, you know, then again, God kept me away from that. And uh, I think, yeah, once again, there was a hand of God just keeping me away and keeping me totally oblivious to all, all, all the danger out there. Yeah, it's a blessing to have lived that kind of life and to not grow up with any of those major regrets that have had, you know, major uh, impacts on you. Absolutely. You mentioned that you were a journo for about 20 years. Uh, did you go straight into that after school? Yeah, so the thing is, going through high school, um, like most blokes are, are tend to be very right-brained and, and uh, handy, you know, and they're good at uh, maths and science and manual arts. And there's a very small, unfortunate minority of blokes I call them girly, girly boys, where we kind of have very creative brains. So <laughs> I was very creative. Out of a, out of a, a class or, a, or a year level of about 100 students, there were three of us who didn't do manual arts out of, out of the boys. And um, we went and did speech and drama. So, so I was always <laughs> Are you regretting that now? Can you use a drill? Uh, no, not at all. No, <laughs> I, I can hardly take the light bulb. Um, much to my wife's incredible regret. So I'm about as unhandy as I come. Come on, you need to work on your man skills. I wish I could. I'm just... You know, I get the most girly hands, and I, I can move a bit of furniture around, but you know, changing a light bulb is about as far as I go. Whenever I kind of pull apart a, a cupboard, it won't go back together again. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I, I got girly skills. And in high school, um, I was always good at um, speech and drama and uh, English and, and learning German. So you kind, of, you kind of come out of that and you think, well, what, what can I do with that? So it was always going to be either teaching or, uh, or journalism. So I chose, well, I decided I don't want to go into high school and teach, you know, a class full of angry teenagers, so I'll, I'll go and become a journalist. So that was, that was the kind of the way I went. Those teachers are a special breed, aren't they? They are. Yeah. In fact, I could, I could do it now and enjoy it, but when you're 18 years old, the idea of going back into a high school and teaching people not much, not much younger than yourself is pretty scary. Well, I think, I think what you were saying before about um, having a pastor having to go out and experience the real world before you come out uh, and become a pastor, I think it probably should go for teachers as well. That I think it's great for teachers to go and experience the real world rather than just school, university, and school again. Yeah, but, you think you know if you're a 21 year old graduate teaching, you know, gnarly 17 year old teenagers who don't want, don't, don't want to be there, <laughs> you've got to be mm. pretty skilled and pretty mature, you know. And yeah. I, I know I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so you chose the journalism. Uh, so you went and got a job, I believe that was at the Sunshine Coast Daily? 
Yeah, I actually started with Rural Press. The, the, the Daily wouldn't have me, um, so oh. I went and started with the little competitor and um, worked in a, a small community paper and ended up editing in, a, in a, about three three years or so. And that was a really good grounding. And, um, and then went from there, uh, the, uh, the Sunny Coast Daily actually bought us out, and so we came across whether we, we, whether we, we wanted to or not. <laughs> and so I then became a, um, a page designer sub-editor for about the next 15 years, and uh, uh, that, that, that was very that was, you know, interesting. It was the biggest negative, I guess, was that um, I worked primarily for 15 years from about 2 p.m. till 11 p.m. So I missed all of my daughters, you know, going through um, all their school concert nights and uh, all that kind of all that kind of stuff. But it was certainly an interesting career. Yes, I, th- I think there's probably a lot that you can look back on and be uh, very grateful for. Did you have to do any sort of study to get into that job, or did you just kind of fall into it? Well, no, I did. I, I, I um, when I was um, finished high school, I, I actually did enrol in a seminary and then I thought no I think I'll, I'll go with a, a, a BA so I did a, a year actually of, of Bachelor of Education to go into teaching decided that teenagers still scared me so I, I went and changed to a, a BA and uh, studied a double English major which I later found out qualified me to run a bookshop so uh, okay. <laughs> I said I, um, I, I got a job as a, a journalist cadet um, um, with, that, with that BA. So obviously, yes, you did work your way through through yeah. the ranks at Sunshine Coast Daily. I ended up becoming the chief editor there. Yeah. What did you love about that job? Um, I think the key thing you love about being a journalist is, is is this one thing: everything you do has to be interesting. Because if anything you're writing or doing is boring, you shouldn't be doing it. Because I mean, everything you're doing is meant to be you know water cooler conversation. So if you're writing a story and you go, "Oh man, this story is rubbish." Stop writing that story because mm. you know your reader doesn't want to read that. If you're not fully engaged and loving what you're writing and excited about the person you just met, then you're not going to sell that story. So, and, and even even as a, a night uh, designer and sub editor, I mean we're dealing with breaking news and and um, you know the news of the day. Anything which is worthy but boring is not of interest. You know, so yeah, basically every day it was always the talk of the town is what you're working on. It can't ever be anything dull and and, and pedestrian. That's something I wonder about the modern media landscape, though, is that everything has to be interesting rather than the things that we actually just need to know. The boring things that are actually kind of important for us to know are getting left out. And that's a really good point. Um, I was, as editor of The Daily, I was tracking very closely this migration of, you know, print readers to digital. And, you know, with all these these, uh, news websites now, they can actually track readers in real time, which is Mm. great. So all, all of your news.com type websites are all tracking their readership in live time. And what really sells, what really you know, attracts the, the biggest number of readers are all the really tacky tabloid you know, you know, stories which have, have sex and violence. And you know, if it's really kind of trashy and tabloid and quirky, it, it sells, it goes viral. Mm. If it's really of, of great merit and you're analysing the latest budget, you know, unless, unless there's a huge human impact, it just doesn't track. So what, what they're saying is that anyone who has a major news website has got a kind of like a, a duty to print not just what sells, but what is of value. Because if you only just print what sells, you end up with uh, an incredibly tabloid, tacky, sleazy website. In Australia, you had you know, all these huge you know, metro papers now, they're like these great big ships which kind of you know, plow along, they carry a lot of passengers, they make a lot of money. Well, they're all drying up. And instead, you've got a million small uh, websites and social media pages. They carry a lot less advertising, a lot less revenue. So the, the danger is that you don't have as much money to invest in journalism. 
So in fact, the actual investing in quality journalism, which takes time, is under more pressure than ever. So as a result, you know, if, if you didn't have things like the ABC, you'd have more and more rushed, what they call journalism, which is, you know, with, with a CH, journalism, as in just churning what's already on the internet and picking up stuff off sites and, and you know, publishing whatever goes viral. And you're right, you end up with an incredibly tacky kind of uh, an infotainment, Facebook-style kind, of, uh, kind of a news media. So, you know, that, that, that's the danger that, you know, the media is, is under right now, is that you need things like that, The Guardian and an ABC Online to actually uh, have things which are not just pure commercial entities, uh, which are actually investing in, in, in quality writing that takes time. Yeah, it's becoming more and more rare as well. When yeah. you look at some of those news websites, it's hard to find something that's actually news and not something that has just come straight from someone's Facebook or Twitter account. Exactly right. It, and even just the danger of, um, you know, you, you would have heard about how people are on Facebook all the time now and actually getting all their news feeds off Facebook. And then you hear about things like um, oh, some famous actor died, which is an entire hoax, but it goes viral right. all over Facebook before people even have actually checked their facts. And as a Christian, you get you know good intention folk in the, in the church um, sending you, oh, check out this this latest item on Facebook, this this important news announcement, and you say, well, it's actually false. You know, you haven't really dug into where this has come from and checked your sources. So, yeah, I mean, the whole kind of proliferation of uh, social media has certainly kind of um, meant there's a lot less checking, and um, you know, there's, there's a lot more rubbish just being passed around, like kind of like like wildfire. Mm, yeah, everywhere you look, it's just yeah. amazing. You're listening to The Story. Today, former journalist Darren Burnett is having a chat with Shelley Scowen about reconciling his Christian morals with the pull of creating tabloid content. Next, we'll find out more about the struggles he faced in the journalistic field and about how God gave him a different calling. That and more when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're continuing with Darren Burnett chatting with Shelley Scowen about his time as the chief editor of the Sunshine Coast Daily. As we heard before the break, his role did not come without its share of challenges. He strived to report the news while having to compete with sensational tabloid content. And he also had to grapple with the morbid details of the stories he shared. Darren, it must be interesting being a Christian in journalism because there are a lot of integrity issues at the moment. Uh, I guess we see a lot of um, things being reported that aren't necessarily true or journalists that are really just trying to push an agenda and push a politician to say a certain thing. Is that something that you came up against in your role there? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I know, um, I mean, I was working for APN, which is a, a smaller company, and um, they're, they're pretty much a, you know, a small entity that is just trying to... Uh, negotiate the change of you know of, of the way people engage information so i can tell you that i had no one above me pushing any political agenda but you certainly do have to try to um aim for balance in all you do and the greatest i think the greatest challenge that journalists face today is in fact the challenge of time because with the uh with the the kind of uh expansion of the number of of media that you have to report for i mean in the old days you would write for a paper or a radio station now you're thinking online, you're thinking social media, you're thinking live blogging, 
there's so much happening now that journalists are more time poor than ever. So mm. the problem there is that is that you want them to, to handle the big stories with enough time invested to handle them fairly and evenly. Uh, and the fact is is that with this kind of uh, the, the migration of people reading more now, more online, and online is all about immediacy rather than you know getting the story and developing it over a whole day and writing for tomorrow. It's all about publishing now. So there's more pressure than ever on journos to get it right. And so you do see more and more stories online with typos and gaps yeah. and, and that. So, yeah, I, I didn't see a lot of uh, journos having a problem with integrity, but I saw them wrestling with trying to uh, publish first and, and publish you know, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a myriad media, but without kind of sacrificing accuracy and, and, and fact-checking and all that kind of stuff. Was being a Christian in that role ever a challenge or... Um Ever something that you, you really had to, I don't know, work with? We had a really unique situation at the, um, at the Sunshine Coast Daily where when I was the editor there, uh, I was a Christian, uh, obviously, and then we had um, the entire APN online editor as a Christian and our Sunny Coast Daily online editor or producer was also a Christian. So we had three blokes who were the three kind of main gatekeepers, all wow. Christian. Wow. So it was quite an unusual, um, unusual lining up. But no, I can't say I've ever... I had a problem with ever um, having to um, compromise my values. What I, do, I would say, uh, as the biggest challenge for me being a Christian as a journalist, especially working in a, in, a, in a daily news medium, is that what sells, what is newsworthy, is often really dark, you know, and mm. what sells is, is, is violence, it's um, getting the first story. So my natural inclination, in which is, is, as a Christian, is to have compassion for those who are hurting. To then have to say to a reporter, we'll go out there and knock on the door until I answer and try and get a story, is very tough. And yeah. you, you can still do it with great you know, um, care and diplomacy, but it is, a, it is a, an internal struggle when a lot of what you're reporting is people being hurt and people hurting each other, crime, court, you know, death on the roads. But then, then there's part of your brain as a journalist which knows, well, this story is going to be page one tomorrow. So yeah. there is that kind of a that kind of a challenge where you're, you're dealing with a lot of the ugly side of life, knowing that the kind of human nature, you know, tends to look at you know the crash photos and the um, you know the deaths and, and and crime and sex and whatnot. So yeah, the actual kind of what sells uh, for a paper and for an online site are not always uplifting, exciting, inspirational stories. Yeah. Hmm. I think that's one thing I enjoy about my job here is that I'm talking to the people a few years down the track after these events and yep. we're looking back and going, oh, so this is how God carried me through this yeah. event and this is how God used this event for good and um, all these wonderful things have come out of this event. Um, and so I'm able to see some of those real positive things that can come out of seemingly tragic situations. And that is really awesome because even um, I know as a Christian journalist and, and as I had a couple of colleagues as well, I mean, you can occasionally get some Christian um, um, witness in there, uh, especially if you're, if you're interviewing a Christian person, you can yeah. ensure that if they give God glory, you know, you, you put that you in. keep that in there and that, that yeah. gets published. But the vast majority of stories, you are just kind of publishing doom and gloom. And it, mm-hmm. is, it is at times quite soul-destroying that you're actually publishing just all the, the concentration of everything bad that happened you know, in, in, in your region for that, for that day or so. I've had times when I've just had to stop reading the news, when yeah. it just gets a little bit too overwhelming. You know, when there's just a whole bunch of particularly horrible, horrible, horrible yeah. things going on around the world, and you've just been reading about it for the last eight hours, you know, all day, every day, it gets to that point where it's just like, God, what is going wrong with the world? Have totally. you? You've reached that point? 
At all time, in fact, uh, as an editor, that, that was the thing I hated the most. Was I, I had to read, uh, you know, the Career Mail, the Australian, our paper, and several others as well, and, and monitor all these websites. And it was like filling my head full of just pure rubbish, you know. And I hated it. Whereas um, when I'm preaching now, I tell folk, you know, don't have a mind conformed to the culture; have a mind conformed to the Word of God. Mm. So don't fill your mind full of eight hours full of uh, Facebook and TV news and TV internet or, and the internet or, or whatever. Fill your mind fill of the word of God because God's word is eternal it's uplifting it's, it's divine it's active um, when you do fill your mind full of the media which I had to it, it's quite soul destroying because as yeah. you said it's not just is it, is it bad stuff it's actually a concentration of what's bad and uh, you know as, so yeah it definitely is kind of almost like you know imbibing poison all day and then trying to read the Bible to kind of you know, try to uh, counteract it all, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So what did prompt that move out of being, I guess, the top of the chain there at the Sunshine Coast Daily into being a lowly old pastor? <laughs> yeah, um, I always um, ha- had the view, which I, I still have, is that whatever you do in life, you know, if you follow Christ, if you know Jesus as Saviour, and you know it's all true, you know, you're not just following a man-made religion, you, you've, you've had your heart illumined and you've discovered the truth of the Word of God, that you have to be open to the leading of God and to wherever he, wherever he wants to take you. And, you know, Jesus talks about taking up your cross daily. And so I've always had the view that, you know, especially with paid uh, pastoral ministry, I wouldn't ever go and promote myself or, or try to seize it like a job. But if, if the call came, I would always take time to pray about it and seek his will. And so I started studying actually back in uh, 2006 when I was a, a, um, a page designer. And I was looking after like a, um, a three-year-old son and studying and working at the paper, which is pretty tough. Mm. But I thought, oh, I'm going to be open to the calling of the Lord. And, and um, I had a couple of um, talks about pastoral roles over the years, but then I was actually approached by the section of the church that, that, that we attend, and uh, I prayed about it, and my wife prayed about it, and it, it felt like you know we, we were being led towards this. So, And um, you know, I haven't had one single regret. I've, I've never looked back and thought, you know, what if? It's, it's actually to, to sit down and to, to be paid, to be set aside to... Um, study the Word really deeply and spend mm. a whole day just immersed in a, in a scriptural text is the highest privilege of all, you know. Like, I, I come away just so elated, and there are times when I'm typing and I'm just full of joy as I'm, I'm understanding the Word of God in richer and newer ways than I ever have before. So uh, compared to working in bad news all day, yeah. working in the Word of God is just an amazing buzz, and, and you know, you can never mind the depths of the riches of the Word of God. So, you know, no, I absolutely love it. An interesting quirk of your story is that you took over the pastorship from your dad, yes. but you also kind of followed him back into media back in the day as well. So you're just kind of following him wherever he goes. I know, and, you know, never intentional. Uh, <laughs> even when I was at, at her high school, I was, I was never even uh, interested in the media. It was just kind of a case of, well, if you liked English and, and you like creative writing, what are you going to do? <laughs> you yeah. know? So it was going to be teaching or, or, or uh, writing. So, yeah, but yeah, I did actually... Um, followed Dad to the same paper that he worked out, and then uh, Dad also felt the call into ministry when he was in his 40s and um, left behind a, a career as a, as a journalist, and uh, he, he worked for a, a pastor for more than 30 years and, and is still working in, in our church. Hmm. Tell us about some of the other roles of being a pastor, getting out and about um, amongst the people in your church. Yeah, I mean, uh, you do get to, to do a lot of uh, visitation, um, and I've really appreciated that too. Uh, um, you know, we have a, a lovely wide spectrum of age groups and folk from uh, North Brisbane and, and Moorfield and Caboolture, which is you know which is really exciting. I've really enjoyed actually I mean, during the day. Most of the, the you know the young families are all at work and and doing stuff, so I tend to visit the older folk during the actual uh, daytime. And 
it is really, really enriching, and even visiting folk in hospital and just you know, letting them talk and actually hearing you know, how God has worked in their lives and seeing folk who have been refined from years and years and years of following Christ. And I, I saw a lady just recently that really, really um, moved me. She said, you know, I thought I loved God deeply. I thought I really loved Him and knew Him, but this latest bit of pain, this latest sickness, I feel like I've, I've clinged to Him more than ever before. And I'm now actually praying, thank you, Lord, for this sickness. And I wow. thought, you know, there's a woman who's, who's you, who has been refined through her suffering. So yeah. I'm meeting a lot of the older folk, uh, as I said, especially those who've really walked with the Lord. Uh, is just so inspiring, and you obviously tend to go away um, getting a lot more out of it than, than they have, you know, because they've just kind of uh, inspired you with, with, with how, how God has worked in their life because they can now look back on many, many years, uh, many more than we've had, of course, and um, ha- have seen the hand of God in their lives and seen how... Um, you know, you, you grow more and more like Christ as you follow him. So that, that's been really exciting too. Yeah, that would be really inspiring and a great um, thing to, you know, get up each day and get to go and do that. Yeah. Darren, thanks so much for your time. Great, thank you. What an inspiring story of how God called Darren Burnett to use his real-world experiences as a journalist in his new role as a pastor. And it's important for all of us to understand the world we live in and secular perspectives so that we can better minister to people and touch them with the Word of God. As Jesus said, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore be as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. Well, thanks for joining us for Darren's story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I could see this one particular bay and I decided, well, it looks like there's village there. Let's go to that bay. So we pulled into that bay, dropped our anchor, and within a very short time they canoed out to us. About four or five canoes canoed out to us. They actually said, congratulations, you're the third boat to arrive. And I said to them, what, this year? And they said, no, ever. Jeff and Marina Jansen live on a catamaran and travel to PNG to provide medical, school and other supplies to remote islands. But this is not what they originally set out to do. We'll hear their story and find out how they became accidental missionaries next time. The story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.